Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 27 of The Bank. We uh, took a bye week along with the Ravens, but we're back here um, getting ready for Steelers week. Um, and it's, uh, it's a big week that we got coming up. What do you think, Gabe? I'm really looking forward to this game, um, not only because it's Steelers, because I like to see the Ravens Steelers play, but this is like the test, I think, of the Ravens. Obviously, Kansas City was a big game, but this is in their division. This is a game that if you don't win, you're probably not going to win the division at this point. Like The Steelers actually have a pretty easy schedule moving forward, maybe one or two tough games, but if the Ravens let them get this one, and then they're basically two and a half games behind them. It's going to be tough to get up that hill and get back on top of the division. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you guys are looking to get in on the conversation, um, you know, we've been talking at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Um, you guys can find us on the message board there. But people have been talking. You know, we're also both on Twitter. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. And, you know, we've been talking there about this two and a half game gap that if the Ravens lose this game, that's where they're going to be. Now, I think to some degree that's a little exaggerated because everybody thinks that the Ravens are likely going to split with the Steelers. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, so it, in some ways it doesn't really matter which game they win. Um, they're probably going to go one and one because we almost always go one and one against the Steelers. Um, but I think the Ravens have something to prove in this game. And I think, you know, coming off the bye week, I think, you know, we can start the conversation talking about the first six weeks of the season and what we've seen and why that makes this next game so important. Um, and to me, you know, I'll get off my, you know, I'm a broken record, right? I, I don't know what I, I don't know what phrase I was going to use there, but, um, I'm a broken record here. The Ravens offense is just not as good as it was last year. And, in terms of total burst and production, some of the big plays are still there, but it's like kind of everything else in between is just super hit or miss. And so they've got to find a way to lock some of that up. But to me, that's that's been the problem in the first half of the season or the first quarter to third. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we're, I think we're probably going to touch on. Um, and I'll start with the positive. You know, the Ravens are 5-1. They have... They're basically like tied for the second best team in the, in the conference, so I think that's doing pretty well. Um, but then again, you have some issues with the offense that have been rearing their ugly head over and over and over again. And like you said, you've kind of been beating this this rec or whatever you were talking about, being a dead horse, I guess. Um, kind of saying the same thing. You know, week one looked really good, and then after that, it was kind of like the Ravens just didn't look right. They didn't have the the same offensive kind of system that they had last year. The running game wasn't quite clicking. The passing game wasn't as efficient. Um, and we're still seeing a lot of like two score wins, but didn't look right. It didn't feel right. It felt like they were trying too hard um, and it, it wasn't all put together. So that is the concern. The good thing is the Ravens are still five and one. They had the second best point differential in the league. You're tired of the Chiefs for the second best point differential in the league. And, you know, they still could, winning this game against the Steelers, still be sitting at basically atop the AFC. Um, so they have a lot going for them. They haven't played their best ball. Um, the defense looks great. I think that's a positive. And we made a big trade in the, in the, in the um, bye week. So that's another good thing, too. Yeah, no, definitely. And let's stay on the offense for just a, just a quick second here. I mean, you know, the way I like to think about it is – into two groups of kind of like what is really working for us right now and and what needs improvement. And I think we can talk about the trade and why the Ravens made that on defense and what needs improvement there. But let's start with what's working on offense. I mean, I still think the big plays are there. We've seen two really long Lamar Jackson touchdowns. You had the Duvernay end around. That was a huge play. We've seen a couple, you know, a deep shot to Brown in week one. Um, some other big, like Andrews has still had a couple big plays too. That piece still seems to be there. Um, so it's nice to see that part working because if you can build around 
some big impact plays. That's how the Ravens still have scored so many points. I think, you know, part of it is defense, but part of it is that there are still, they're still the kind of team that can go 50 yards on any given play. Um, and that will keep any defensive coordinator up at night. And then I'll keep any defense on their heels during a game. Yeah, I think, so I think one of the things that the Ravens tried to do um, this year and, and something that we, you know, kind of hypothesized about in the off season was that they're trying to get a passing game going and they're trying to evolve as a passing game. And they've tried to do that in ways that, I don't think are the right way of doing it. So let's put it this way. They, they, last, last, last year they were very effective when they passed the ball, largely because they were able to build off their run game. And I'm talking about using RPOs, using play action, using different types of personnel that was able to confuse the defense and not let them know what was coming. So a lot of the times they were thinking run and the Ravens would hit them with a pass. And then sometimes, you know, it would be the opposite. They were thinking pass, and everybody would hit them with a run. And a lot of that was Lamar Jackson being a weapon with his feet in obvious passing situations. We've seen that a couple of times this year, but for the most part, there haven't been those design runs on the kind of like third and medium, third and long situations. It's actually used quite a bit last year by the Ravens, and, and it's really only been used a couple of times, sometimes effectively. Like there was, I'm thinking back to the washington football team game where lamar jackson had that nice touchdown run that was like a third and five i think um and they were in you know kind of a spread formation and they were able to use an what well, should be for most teams an obvious passing down and and use lamar jackson to you know obviously pick up the third down and score a touchdown on the same play i think you'd like to see more of that i think that's one of the major issues with the ravens is they have been too predictable in what they do um, they've done a lot of running on first down and then they haven't been super effective with it. And then they've been trying to get out of that hole by passing and obvious passing situations and that's just getting them behind. And they haven't been great on second down. They haven't been great on third down. And it's, a lot of it's just because they haven't been effective running the ball on first down like they were last year. Yeah. Well, you know, as we, we kind of bleed into, to what's wrong, what's wrong with the Ravens offense. Um, you know, I, I think Lamar is, it also is a, a guy to point out. I think, you know, whether it is, you know, we've wanted to talk a little bit about how it sometimes seems like he's making the wrong read. There's definitely been some rumors or some insinuation that he is not the same health wise that he has been the last few years. So we've got a couple things that are kind of on the table there. And then I think that, you know, the inside of the Ravens offensive line has just been a mess. Um, Tyree Phillips played, I thought really well in weeks two and three, and then regressed really hard um, in weeks four, five, and six. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the offensive line looks like when the Ravens roll that out um, this upcoming week in Pittsburgh. I think that there's a chance that we see something different there. Um, and they've got to clean it up inside because there are too many plays where Lamar is, is getting chased from the inside of the pocket out and it's leading to some bad habits for him because he's flushing out of the pocket when he doesn't have to way too often for me this season. Yeah. Lamar Jackson has definitely been a little bit on the run. He's been a little frantic in his pocket movements. Um, he's been a little quick to bail at times, but he's also had a lot of pressure. Um, and I think that you can definitely point to the interior of the, of the offensive line as a culprit in a lot of these situations. And they've also not been the same in the running game and starts there as well. And a lot of what they were doing last year was running behind Marshall Yanda and you lose a hall of fame guard in Marshall Yanda and you replace him with a rookie who has been up and down, but mostly kind of on the wrong side of, of mediocre, um, especially in the running game. I don't think he has uh, really the ability to push like Yonda did, he doesn't, doesn't have the understanding and the, of the nuance of the timing of plays. Um, I think that, along with Skura not quite being as healthy as you probably want him to be, has been an issue with their running game because anytime you have the kind of combination blocks that the Ravens like to set up with, with their running game, you can't afford to have one of those blocks miss. And when you do, especially early on, like somebody who's pulling, who doesn't get there fast enough, that play's going to get blown up. And that's why we're seeing a lot of plays get stopped for negative yards. A lot of plays get stopped for no gain at all. And if they are gains because the running back had to like make somebody miss in the backfield. I think we've probably seen more runs for a no gain or loss this entire season than we did all of last year, like three, six games compared to all of last year. It's just been a complete kind of disorganization of the run game. And I think it starts just with the blocking. 
And some of that is also some problem miscommunications and not quite understanding of, of where players need to be and missed assignments, but also, you know, it's just players getting beat up front. And that's something that the Ravens might not be able to figure out because you can't just get better at some, some of these things. Sometimes, sometimes it's technique. Sometimes it's just, you know, physical raw talent. And I'm not sure if the Ravens have that at the interior of their line right now. Yeah. You know, there, there have definitely been some missed blocks on the interior of the offensive line. And that's got to get cleaned up, and they've 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 changed some of that. I think Patrick Ricard has been less effective as a fullback blocker this year, um, and I think he's you know clearly less effective than Hayden Hurst was in the passing game. And I think you're seeing kind of a double negative there um, because there's been a little bit of regression from his from a skill perspective, at least from what we've seen on the field with Ricard. I don't know if that's how they've changed his usage and his role to be a little bit more H backy and a little less less fullbacky. Um, those are, those are official terms, trademark. <laughs> uh, but if that's the case, they need to start using Ricard like they used him before and just own up to the fact that they don't have a third tight end in those rotations and trade that third tight end set for a wide receiver um, and stop trying to force Ricard into some of these wide blocks. When, when Ricard is asked to block a guy outside of the hashes, I don't think I've seen him connect on one of those blocks yet this year. Um, those are big misses and big plays where the Ravens are running laterally. And what, what you were just talking about, those are those big negative impact plays. Um, you know, we've seen it with the drops from some of these guys. I mean, and I guess, you know, this is the bottom line for, for why I'm concerned. We see everything. It's not quite Murphy's law <laughs> where everything that can go wrong goes wrong. But it seems like every week you're seeing miss blocks from the interior of the offensive line. Less, not as great play from the tackles. Honestly, you know, Stanley's been fine. Um, and by fine, I mean, you know, all pro, pro bowl level kind of guy. But Orlando Brown has not been. Um, you're not getting as good a play out of the tight ends. I think Boyle hasn't been as effective because they've asked him to, to do more as well. He's blocking less and running routes more. Um, and you see wide receivers or tight ends dropping passes on every iteration. And you see Lamar making bad decisions. So at every single level of this game, of the Ravens game, you see them kind of making some kind of mistake or doing something wrong. And it's just like, guys, why don't we fix one of these things at a time? <laughs> I'm okay. If we only see five of those things go wrong in the next game, as long as one of them gets fixed. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that we were hoping to see in, in the first, you know, half or quarter, third of the season, whatever, however you want to frame it, um, was kind of seeing them address areas where they were not looking so good and see that they are, one, know that they are, are making mistakes. And I think we hear the players say that, and even the coaches say that to an extent. You hear them say, you know, we have things we need to clean up. We're, we're, we're not getting beat by the defenses. We're beating ourselves. I think that's a good thing, that they can look at the film and say, yeah, we need to fix these things. The problem is they're not fixing them. So, and that like, gets back to the thing that I was saying, like, you know, technique and scheme and, like, execution, those things will go a long way. But if you don't have the specific skill set, the specific talent that's required to pull off those things, then you might not be able to do exactly what you want to do. And that's part of self-scouting and knowing what you can do and what you can't do. And maybe changing up some of these plays so they're not, you know, counting on on you know Tyree Phillips to like make a combo block because he just hasn't shown the ability to do it, or Mascara because he doesn't have the same ability that he had last year. And maybe that means you need to plug in somebody else at right guard, like Ben Powers. Or maybe, you know, I know they've not wanted to play Fluker at the guard for some reason, but, you know, he's a big guy and he at very least might give better protection in the interior than, than Phillips has done. I think there's a lot of things that they could do. I'm interested to see how they address these issues in the bye week because this bye week couldn't have come at a more important time for them, honestly. Yeah, I'd love to see more of Fluker. I'd love to see more of Duvernay. Um you know, I'm. I, I think the average fan. I feel like I'm, I'm much more a 105.7 the fan fan this year than I have been historically. But I think Boykin needs to see less time. I think his downfield blocking is is he's very good at it. But I think it's overrated in the larger scheme of what you need from a wide receiver and how it fits with Lamar. Um, you know, there are a lot of things I'd like to see the Ravens do better or differently um, starting this week. But it's going to be tough against the Steelers team. Um, 
But when we talk about what's good, I think you can go to the other side of the ball and almost all of it is good. Um, you know, and why don't we start with what you asked a little bit about earlier? I'll, I'll flip it back at you. You know, the Ravens made a big trade for Yannick and Gakaway. Um, you know, we haven't talked about this yet. What's your take? So I've put it out there on Twitter and a little bit on our message board. I think this was clearly a decision that was made in order to boost the pass rush, especially a four man pass rush, because the Ravens looked at what they did against the Chiefs. And they saw we can't get to Mahomes with the pressure packages that work on some other quarterbacks. And it might not just be Holmes. It could have been Ben Roethlisberger too, because Roethlisberger has been good against the Blitz this year. And those are the quarterbacks in the AFC that you need to beat. You need to beat Roethlisberger this year, and you need to beat Mahomes this year. And you need to beat them by dropping players in the coverage and rushing four. And that doesn't mean you can't blitz, and that doesn't mean you can't do, you know, the you know, the deceptive kind of packages that that Marndale likes to use, but you need to have players that can win one-on-one matchups. And as as good as I think the Ravens defensive front has played this year, if you bring in a talent like Ngakwe, it just makes you better. And it makes you more versatile and it makes you more dynamic in what you can do up front. And it allows you to actually just rush for sometimes and maybe you can still get after the quarterback. And that allows you to kind of be a little bit more deceptive when you do bring it because teams might not be expecting it as much if you can change up what you do. It's like, you know, it's like the a pitcher who has an arsenal of pitches. A pitcher who has like f- four good pitches is going to be much harder to hit against than a pitcher who has two good pitches. And I think to a certain extent, Martindale has been, you know, he's had a great fastball and he's had a wicked changeup, but he doesn't have that slider. And now maybe he has that slider and that's something that he can use in order to kind of keep offenses off balance a little more and I think it's it's going to potentially be what the Ravens need in order to get past a team like the Steelers and the Chiefs yeah I mean I'm always for more talent it's it's hard to argue it's hard to argue with more talent and Gakaway as a pass rusher is more talented than probably any of the Ravens current pass rushers including Matt Judon I think Matt Judon brings more versatility but less skill as a pass rusher um, so, so you've upped your, you've upped your game of talent on the field and pass rush situations, hard stop. Um, you know, th- we're, we're talking a little bit about the last six games, but I think this move is much more about next year and the longer term than it is about the shorter term. Um, I think the Ravens would rather keep Ngakwe than Judon. I think they, they're going to let Judon walk. And I think that they would have gone after a guy like Ngakwe. Um, so for the price and for the discounted salary cap hit this year, it was just a, it was too easy not to say yes to this deal with Minnesota. There were just too many things that like line up correctly. And I think ultimately we see Ngakwe stay here. He's from the DC area. Um, there's just a lot of, th- you know, went to Maryland. There are a lot of things that make me think that, that the Ravens have wanted him to be a Raven for a while now. And I was even honestly a little surprised that there wasn't some kind of move for Ngakwe and kind of moving on from Judon or something like that during the offseason anyway. Um, so, Well, I think they wanted to. I mean, that was rumored that they were actually trying to bring him in in the offseason. And it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Maybe the Vikings offered a better deal than what the Ravens were willing to do. Um, it could have been a financial thing, too. Obviously, when they had Judon on the, on the franchise tag, that kind of makes things tricky um, when you're trying to bring in another player on franchise tag. I'm not even sure how that works, if it's possible. Um, so that's something that probably was something they were thinking about doing, trying to do, but it didn't quite work out. Then they had this opportunity to do it. So I think, like you said, it's a great addition. You you bring talent and the cost is, it's a third round pick. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's something that you can live without if it means making yourselves that much better for this season. Um, now moving forward, I think that the Ravens, like I said, they, I think you want to see more four man pressure, especially against teams that, you know, like to like get the pass or the ball out fast. Like, I think that's something we can talk about this with this, you know, shortly with this game against the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger gets rid of the ball faster than anybody in the, in the NFL. It's literally the fastest time to throw in the league. Um, that means that you can't necessarily bring the pressure because the pressure is not going to get home. So if you're just bringing an extra blitzer, that means you're just leaving somebody uncovered because he's going to get the ball out fast. So this is something I want to see immediately. Like in week, in week one with Ngakwe, can we get this immediate impact pass rusher 
where you have somebody who can get to the quarterback without having to blitz and allows you to drop seven in coverage and allows you to take away the short passes. And, you know, we've seen teams previously, like the Washington football team, who was able, was getting the ball fast, fast, fast. And the Ravens didn't really bring much pressure in that game, but they also didn't, you know, stop the pass from happening very much. They allowed these short passes to be completed. They allowed, you know, the screens to happen, these slants to be completed. And, you know, I think um, Haskins threw for like 300 yards. If, if Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers are given those same opportunities, the Ravens aren't going to win that game. You need to find a way to, to bring down Roethlisberger and also cover, and that's what they're going to have to figure out a way to do in this game. And I, I might be getting ahead of myself here because I think we still want to talk about the defense a little bit. Um, but they do have the guys on the back end, and that's one of the things we've seen this year is the Ravens' coverage has been excellent. So this allows them to kind of do their thing in coverage a little more, allow you know maybe the linebackers to be more involved in the blitz game, and then just allow the front four to get after it. And that's what I'm hoping to see in the second half of the season. Yeah, well, for all the things that have gone wrong for the Ravens' offense this year, I think other than a couple injuries on defense, everything has kind of gone right on on that side of the ball. I think we would have liked to see Manabuke do a little bit more than we've seen from him so far, just so we knew um, or the team knows what they have in him, but I think they know what they want to use for him. But if you look at Campbell, if you look at Humphrey, if you look at Peters, I mean, Peters has been up and down, but he's still been very good. You're And you get what you expected from him. All three of those guys have played like the all pros that they were last year. Um, I think that, I think, you know, who knows about Calais Campbell, but, you know, Marlon Humphrey is on track easily to be another all pro player again this upcoming year. Um, you know, I, I thought the others have played really well. Clark and Elliot have been kind of stalwarts in terms of how they played at safety. Queen has been up and down, but he's a rookie. You'd expect that a little bit. Basically, you haven't seen any drop-offs from some of those guys that you have seen on offense in, in, the, in the same way. Um, and so on one hand, that's hope for the offense, but but it is a certainly a gold star kind of on the, the hat of the Ravens defense. And so we've seen them perform well together so far. Um, I, I think that we're scratching the surface on how good this defense can get. You know, I don't want to overreact too much to what Mahomes did to the Ravens because I don't think that it was just our inability to get to him. We did get to him a couple times. We just missed. Um, there are a couple plays in the secondary that they whiffed on as well. I mean, that that was just that game was Murphy's Law. Like literally everything that could have gone wrong for the Ravens in the Kansas City game did go wrong, and they were they were in that game in the fourth quarter, um, down by seven with the ball with a chance to come back. Um, now, of course, they didn't, but the, all those things are going wrong, and still that happens. I think that the defense can pull it together and be even better, and and could have been would have thought the same way even if we didn't add Ngakwe. Um, I'm glad we've had the bye week to be able to do that, but I expect the Ravens' defense to continue to be very good um, in the kind of second, third, the half of the season that we have coming up, um, and and I think they're going to be they could very well be the anchor to this team in the second half. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. And, you know, I, going into this offseason, I was, I was fairly high on the Ravens defense. I think there were some other people who were as well. I thought that they could contend to be the best defense in the NFL. And from a points per game basis, they are at this point. Um, you know, they're at the top of the league in sacks, in quarterback hits, in quarterback pressures. They're doing a fantastic job of getting after the quarterback. And that's something that we didn't quite see last year. And that might have been one of their their downfalls was they blitzed a lot and they pressured a lot, but they weren't able to get to the quarterback this year. They've been do, able to like get to that next level. And I think that's part of why you saw somebody like Campbell being brought in. who was able to really unlock this defense, have someone who can, you really do have to account for up front when you're the opposing offensive line. If you put Campbell one-on-one -on -one with most players, he's going to just whoop somebody. And if he's not getting the pressure, then it's, it's somebody next to him, whether it's Matt BK or Pernell McPhee, who's had an, an excellent first half of the season as well. I think he's flown a little bit under the radar, but he's been one of the most consistent pass rushers the Ravens have had. Um, hopefully, you know, he can stay at that level and stay healthy for the rest of the season. Because um, he's been kind of a, a gem for the team, honestly. And, and obviously, Matt Judon and Tyus Bowser, I think, have been, have been strong as well. Um, and the Ravens do have depth up front. Um, where they don't have depth is a defensive back right now and, and it's a little concerning um 
we saw Jimmy Smith on the injury report today. I'm, I'm a little worried about his status for the game on Sunday. Are you surprised at all that the Ravens haven't tried to bolster their secondary yet? Yeah, <laughs> that's an easy, that's an easy yes. Um, that's an easy yes. But at the same time, what are you really going to do? I mean, I think this is what the Ravens have found this out the hard way, which is that when you're trying to bolster your secondary, unless you're bringing in someone like Marcus Peters in the middle of the season, I don't think it makes a dime or difference. I mean, the year where the Ravens were rotating Frank Walker and Chalky Brown and um, Melvin, Rashad Melvin and all those guys. I mean, they were taking another guy off the street. They were trying everything and anything. There were, I think there were some other veterans other than Frank Walker that were mixed in there. I mean, you're just, you're going to have to trade for bona fide talent if you want to upgrade it. And if you aren't able to take the cap hit or you aren't willing to give the draft capital, it's not going to make a difference. So I do worry a little bit this week. The Steelers run a lot of three wide receiver sets. Um, and we're going to need good play from kind of the nickel. It was, you know, it's it's definitely Averett was playing better too. Um, and I thought that the Ravens were using him smarter and better as well. Um, and so it's just too bad to see him go down. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen here with the Ravens at cornerback. But um you know, you're able to you're able to hide some of these guys on the outside a little bit. Um, you know, I guess why don't we talk a little bit about the Steelers game? Because I guess my concern my concern is not so much in the longer run. And I wouldn't be as worried about a team like the Titans or a team like the Colts or some of these other teams that are coming up on the Ravens schedule. But not having three good cornerbacks is a real it can serve as a real challenge for the Ravens because you know, I think the thing that we see from the Steelers offense is that, like you were saying, they want to get the ball out fast. They want to get the ball out of Ben's hands and they want it to be the read that he thinks it is his first read and an open throw. Now that doesn't mean that the guy is completely uncovered, but it does mean that it's a high percentage kind of catch option when he's making those throws. And he is always kind of looking at that first read. And Ben is at least from what I watched from the last two games that, that Pittsburgh has played on tape, he's kind of a two look guy right now. He's looking to his first guy and then he's looking to whatever, if the Steelers are saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to look to maybe a guy on a short out or a short in or the guy on the crosser. And if the opposing team is doing X, then we know that it's likely that that defense is going to leave open Y and Ben knows what Y is. And he's looking to that next. If the Ravens can take both of those options away, the Steelers are going to have a really hard time moving the ball through the air. The question is, if the X option is the one against the third receiver's third Ravens cornerback, we're kind of screwed. Well, I think the Ravens have three good cornerbacks if Jimmy Smith plays, and and that's where he's been playing since Avery got hurt. He's you know he's basically the nickel corner who's essentially a starter in the in the, in the Ravens defense, and you know. Humphrey has played inside the slot the entire year since Tavon Young got hurt. So I think the Ravens match up well if they have everybody healthy. But if Smith can't go, then you have a major concern because I'm not even sure who the Ra- or the Ravens' next in line corner would be. Is it Khalil Dorsey? Is it Terrell Bonds? Do they bring up somebody else from the practice squad? I'm not sure what it looks like at this point, um, but it's not a pretty picture. And like you said, the Steelers go three wide. Like they play 11 personnel almost as much as anybody in the NFL. And Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he likes his wide receivers. They they don't really throw the tight end that much. He has four, five wide receivers. They're all pretty talented. They, you know, they like to use all of them. They have different kinds of, of shapes and sizes and, and abilities. And it's kind of a scary group to think about. Um, but because Roethlisberger has kind of been this souped up Washington football team type offense for better or worse. You know, they've been, they haven't really been able to push the ball downfield. They haven't been vertical in their passing game at all. And, and that I think gives the Ravens an opportunity if they can be healthy and if they can challenge the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage and the reality is they have the corners to do it. You know, Jimmy Smith matches up pretty well, against a guy like Chase Claypool, who's, who's big. I mean, Claypool has, has speed, but I think Smith has kind of that veteran savvy and, and the ability to kind of get him off his route at the line of scrimmage. And then, you know, Deontay Johnson, he's a really good router. He, there's a lot of Antonio Brown kind of in him, or Emmanuel Sanders. You know, the Steelers just kind of get these guys that are 
that are a little undersized but shifty and good route runners and, and quick and fast and, and ability to like win after the catch. And he's somebody that I'm not sure who the Ravens match up well with. Maybe that's Marcus Peters. Um, but then you have Humphrey in the slot on Juju. And I think, you know, those are all pretty good matchups for the Ravens. But if one of those can't go, then you're then you're in trouble. And I'm not I'm just kind of like mystified as to why the Ravens haven't done anything about that. And maybe they think they're you know, fourth and fifth string corners are better than what we're giving them credit for. And it could be, but there's just a lack of depth overall. And in, in the secondary is, is kind of alarming. And I'm, I'm just surprised they haven't tried to do anything about it in a trade game, or even just like picking up a veteran, like Brandon Carr, who played for pretty well for you last year. So in this, in this matchup, if they're healthy, I think they match up well. I think you want to press them at the line. I think you want to try and f- f- pose the timing of, of these routes and, and make and hold on to the ball a little bit and then let your guys up front get after him. And I think if you can get and to get a little uncomfortable in the pocket, something he hasn't faced much this year, I think he's going to make some mistakes. He might take a few sacks. He might throw an interception. He's not, he's prone to do that. So I do think the Ravens have an advantage if they can execute that game plan, but is it, we're going to have to wait and see if it's something they can do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's right. I, you know, I just think that there's only so much you can do to invest at cornerback. I think the Ravens, obviously they've passed on Brandon Carr for a reason. They didn't try and sign him off of Dallas's practice squad. He didn't make or stick to a pretty bad Dallas's defense um, down there either. So I don't know that he's the right answer. I think that's the thing the Ravens are trying to avoid. I think that they've brought a carousel of guys in to be that fifth and sixth guy before. And they've seen that we're not going to get any better value out of that than a guy like Bonds or a guy like Dorsey. So they're like, if that's what we're going to do, we might as well roll with these guys um, that we have. Now, if there were a better option than Carr or the Ravens could pull something off in terms of a trade that was going to bring some real value, I agree with you. I think that's something that they really need to take a serious look at. Um, And it does worry me a little bit about this game, but, you know, actually, you know, watching the Steelers offense, um, they run a lot (laughs) and and they still try and use James Conner a lot and they run a lot on first down. Um, And James Conner was better than I thought he was watching the film, at least the last two weeks Um, when he's he's running. You know, they don't run kind of like a full zone read kind of action, but he does a really tremendous job of keeping kind of his hips horizontals to the line of scrimmage so he can get upfield and kind of stop his left to right action pretty quickly. Um, and he can make guys miss on that cut. So it's not so much looking for the hole on the line where it's been developed, but it's looking for a guy that is over pursuing and kind of has his hips turned the wrong way. And then Connor will cut behind that guy and run upfield. Um, so you have to get to him in the backfield and you have to stay disciplined and lined up and he's going to stay patient. And the Steelers pull a lot of offensive linemen and they use an extra offensive lineman as their tight end often. So they're big up front and they're effective run blocking when they kind of use that pool and get to the outside. Um, and so the Ravens are going to have to be disciplined in there. Patrick Queen is going to have to play a disciplined game where he doesn't over pursue in this game. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're going to see a lot of Queen and Fort together on these. I, you know, we saw Harrison kind of over pursue or kind of look lost in, in his roles. So I think it's going to they're, they're going to turn to Fort a lot to make sure that they're not over committing in that way. But um, they're also going to have to watch out for some of those jet sweeps. I mean, the, the Steelers do a lot of stuff side to side running the ball that, that to me looked pretty effective. Yeah. They also like to throw a lot of screens wide to the wide receivers and to, and to not so much to the running backs, but they do some to the running backs as well. Um, but they throw the ball short to the wide receivers a lot. And they like to set it up with their, they do like kind of these bunch formations and they'll, they'll throw to the receiver with a couple blockers out in front of them and, and then pull like a tight end and like an offensive lineman to give them a little bit of um, some blockers up front. And they're really good with how the, the receivers are patient with it. And I think they, they know how to set up a screen, something the Ravens don't know how to do. Um, <laughs> um, I think that that's something that, I don't know if it's an offensive line kind of skill or if it's completely just taught or I'm, I'm not sure, but I'd like to see the Ravens learn how to run it. They need to bring in like an, some kind of an outsider to teach them how to, to run a screen um, because everybody that they brought in in-house has failed at that. Um, I was watching some of them. I think they tried to run a couple in Philly uh, two weeks ago, and 
they just don't know the timing of how it works and they and they don't set up the blocks well and they like, don't have enough blockers to like account for the <laughs> the defenders it's just like comical when when they try and do that so i as much as i would like the ravens to be better at the screen game the fact that they can't do it just i'll just say just scrap it if you can't figure it out um it's better to not use it at all if you can't do it right I'm getting off track there yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i do this but the steelers you know i think their running game is okay it's not great I think that, like you said, they do they do try to they do pull a lot. Um, I think that can be either dangerous for the, for the offense. Like if you don't do it well, like you can get really um, blown up if you if you pull and and you don't account for the for the you know somebody shooting a gap. Um, but I, I think that the Ravens have been good against the run. Um, you know. Granted, they got kind of got gashed against Philly, but that was kind of a unique situation, I think, with Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I don't think that the Steelers are going to have much effectiveness in that the Ravens in general are going to hold you to a, a pretty long day if you try to run them on first down. And honestly, if the Steelers do go that route, I'm happy because I think that if you just pass on first down with these short passes – you're going to be in a better situation than if you run on first down most of the time. Yeah, well, the Ravens can keep them out of running out of first down, both by being effective in stopping the run and the packages that they use. So we'll find out pretty early on whether or not that's something the Ravens are going to be able to do. Um, I think the flip side of that, though, is that, that you know, there were a couple things, you know, there, everybody was like, oh, the Titans were pressing in the second half, kind of getting up on the Steelers wide receivers, and that's why they weren't as effective in the second half. I actually... I didn't take notes and I didn't count the number of plays. I didn't actually see that. The 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 t- Tennessee did a couple things better in the second half, but when they did press, Ben tried to throw over the top. Now, he's not he doesn't have an Antonio Brown, so he doesn't have a guy that he's just kind of like when Antonio Brown and Ben were locked in together, you know, it, they were unstoppable in one-on-one hard stop. He doesn't have one of those guys that is that in sync with him right now. Um, and so you saw some of that being their ineffectiveness. But one of the others was tip passes. Um, and there were at least four or five of those in this Titans game. And I think the Ravens are going to try and replicate that. If you if you are you have a quarterback that's getting the ball out quickly, then you just need to change the gaps and the style that you're running to take away some of those angles of the types of routes that you want and then adjust the defense of how you're playing the receivers behind that. And I think the ten- that is what the Titans did effectively, which is that they took away kind of the throwing lane for Ben to throw into for certain things with the off with the defensive line and then changed the way that they were defending it from a pass. But it wasn't all straight press. And when it was press, um, which is what Cleveland tried to do, Ben threw over the top early and often against Cleveland somewhat successfully. Um, now, part of that is that Cleveland's secondary is not very good. So I think the Ravens are much better there. there. But there were a couple interesting plays that I saw in the Cleveland game where Ben would basically pump fake it short to one guy and like maybe the slot guy would run like a little bit of like a wheel or kind of like a deep, like a, a not quite a nine route, but like a, but like a nine route a little bit more towards the sideline. And those guys were running wide open because that's how Cleveland was playing. They were playing very aggressive underneath, very tight man coverage Pittsburgh saw it immediately and took very severe advantage of it. So, you know, I don't actually want to see the Ravens utilize kind of an all out man press cover zero all the way. Cause I think that, I think the Claypool is going to beat them over the top if they do that. Um, or we're going to see Marcus Peters get burned on a double move on a play where we don't get the blitz home. Um, but I think there's an effective way to stop Ben using the defensive line effectively and how we rush him. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you can ever go into a game looking to do the same thing, like, consistently. You have to mix it up, for sure. Um, I think we'll see a lot of fire zone kind of situations where you, where you drop off and dropping the defensive linemen or outside linebackers into the short um, passing lanes. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, Wink does against a lot of quarterbacks. Um, and we've seen it, you know, he tried to do it against Mahomes a good amount and, you know, didn't really work that well. Um, but I also think that, Mahomes is a lot more nimble and mobile in the pocket and able to avoid the rush than, than Roethlisberger will be. Um, and I, I think that the Ravens are, are better matched up than like a team like the Browns are in, in press man. I think, you know, Marlon Humphrey is extremely physical. I think he can lock somebody up at the line of scrimmage and Jimmy Smith has been that his entire career. Um, and Peters, you know, he's, he's better in man than he is in zone. Um, yeah. He can, he can, 
you know, fall bait to the to the double move at times. But I think that that's where he naturally has the most ability. And, you know, he's not the kind of same physical guy that Humphrey or, or Smith is, but he's very good at, at still um, mirroring his man in, in man coverage. And, you know, maybe you're going to give up some of these, like, you know, 10, 15 yard outs against them. But I think that's the kind of throw you want to force the quarterback to make as opposed to giving them the the short underneath stuff. And especially because the Steelers have receivers that can, can do things after the catch too. And that's something that I think you want to make sure that you do in terms of the Ravens secondary is, is tackle and, and definitely not let the, the Steelers run after the catch. Um, especially if they're going to be doing these, these short passes, because they'll do a lot of those rub routes. They'll do those man beaters and you have to be able to, you know, know how to 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 kind of avoid those and, and defend them properly i do worry about jimmy smith in man-to-man press coverage i think we won't see a lot of that on the line um and smith has shown that he's been effective in terms of tackling coming up um two guys on on short passes so far this year but at the same time these are a different breed of receivers in the sense that schuster smith schuster and deontay johnson are both really shifty at the catch um, and they're not the, you know, Smith has been covering a lot more tight ends. I'd say, um, you know, he hasn't seen, I, I just don't think we've seen as many guys like that. I think he's the guy that, I think he's the guy that the Steelers are going to go after in this game, particularly when Humphrey moves to the inside. And it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens kind of use their safeties over the top to kind of give some protection to Jimmy Smith in that process. But, you know, th- they've got to tip the ball when Ben throws it, because I think, there's some chances to get some turnovers there and the Ravens have been good at tipping the ball so far this year. Um, the other thing is Ben gets both happy feet when those first two reads we talked about aren't there, but he also has made some really ill-advised throws in the last two games alone when he's under pressure. Um, almost rookie-ish like moves where he doesn't want to take a sack when sometimes you just got to eat the ball and take a sack. And that's the right thing to do. Um, and the same advice goes to Lamar. We've seen him a couple times this year where he just needs to eat the ball and take a sack. Um, but, you know, Ben had a play last week where he lateraled it back to Connor almost over his head just to avoid kind of taking a big hit. Um, and so, you know, if they can get him Ben's head early, get some pressure on him, maybe they can make him do something pretty stupid. There are a couple other throws where he literally didn't even try and spiral the ball when he threw it. I think there were three of them in the Titans game where he did that. Um, so maybe the Ravens can get in his head a little bit because, you know, maybe he hasn't seen a pass rush that's been good enough to get to him yet this year, like the Ravens have played. Yeah, I definitely think that the Ravens defensive front is probably the most talented one they've had face and the Steelers offensive line has been okay they haven't been as good as they have been in in previous prior years um and I think that's part of why they have this this game plan of getting the ball out fast because they can't really hold up for like the long downfield plays because I think they do have some receivers that can get open downfield but I'm not sure that the line can really you know hold up long enough to to allow Roethlisberger to, to hit those throws um you know, we've talked a lot about this uh, Ravens defense versus Steelers offense. Why don't we talk a little bit about the other side of the ball? Um, because this is also another really interesting matchup. Um, Steelers have been really good on defense. I think they're neck and neck, honestly, with the Ravens as probably the best defensive unit, maybe up there with Tampa Bay this year. Um, they have a really, really dominant defensive front. Um, you know, they have three defensive linemen who are playing exceptionally well and to it and Hayward and also Tyson Alu Alu, who has been seemingly around the league for like a long time, but he's kind of found his niche, I guess, in, in Pittsburgh and he's playing really good football. Um, and then obviously TJ Watt is, is one of the best edge defenders in the, in the NFL. You know, he's pretty well-rounded against the pass and the run. Um, it's hard to really find a weakness up front. Maybe Bud Dupree on the other side, but he's, you know, he's a decent player. He's not like awful or anything. So they lost Bush. They're, they're, you know, star inside linebacker. But aside from that, they, they have a, one of the best, you know, defensive front sevens you have in the NFL. I thought Bud Dupree the last two weeks played exceptionally well also. 
Um, you know, he's he's taking an advantage. He takes advantage of the fact that he's going to get a little bit less of the attention, but he consistently was beating guys on both sides of the offensive line um, in both games. And I was pretty impressed with his play. He's a guy that I have not thought he's been as good in prior years. He's looked he looked more explosive, at least to me, in the last two games um, than he has otherwise. But you're right. They're, they're stacked from a talent perspective, especially especially in terms of kind of the rush and their ability to get after the passer. Um, I think one of the things that I saw on film, though, I think one of the reasons they're effective at that is, one, they blitz a lot more than you would expect. This is not your, and we're not talking about your traditional, like, Steelers, like, Bill Cower, like, inside looping linebacker kind of rush. You're talking about all kinds of different looks from all kinds of different places. There are certainly times where their four-man rushes just looked completely, completely out of sync, um, or maybe not out of sync, just not effective. Um, and some of those times, it's because Watt and Dupree aren't on the field together. They make sure that they're both out there together on on kind of third downs, etc. I think that there's an opportunity here for the Ravens to be smart on first downs. I think that's where you're going to see less of Watt and Dupree together. Throw the ball in those situations. Don't get in situations where you can let these guys kind of pin their ears back. Um, but the other part of what I saw is these guys pin their ears back to rush the passer on every single play, like, uh, on any play action, like Tennessee runs a lot of play action because they're smart and it works. Um, and they know that on all the play action plays, it did not slow down the rushers in any way at all whatsoever. They were always trying to get up the field. They didn't even blink at what, what it would look like to get the ball to Henry and they were going back after they were going back after Tannehill. And so they did the same thing against Mayfield, but there were so few plays in that game it was hard to tell. My guess is that that's just how they play. That they trust their offense, their defensive line and their inside linebackers to be able to defend the run where they have to. Um, but it leaves these really big gaps in the intermediate part of the field. So you see their their middle linebackers come right up to the line of scrimmage. They're playing their gaps smartly, and you see kind of in, con- in concert with the defensive line. But there are huge gaps for the middle of the field. I think that they, we have a prime game for Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews, or even on crossers from Duvernay and, and Brown, um, or, or slants. Take what you will. I think there are going to be big gaps in the middle of this field in this game um, because of the aggressiveness of how Pittsburgh rushes the passer. Yeah, I think that's definitely how you beat the Steelers, and that's and that's how you have they have been exposed this year because for all the talent they have up front, for all the you know quarterback hits and, and sacks that they've generated, they've also gotten beat a lot in, in pass coverage, and and that's when you know the quarterback is able to evade the pressure and find his man downfield because when you do blitz as much as they do, you can get exposed. And they don't have the guys on the back end like the Ravens do. And, you know, I feel like they, in a lot of ways, they studied what the Ravens did last year or the past two years with, with Martindale. And they said, okay, we can do that too. And we have guys up front who can win these, these one-on-one matchups even more than the Ravens can. We're just going to be this, like, dominant defensive front and we're just going to come after you, like, every single play. And that's what they've been doing. And a lot of it works, but they've also gotten beat on it. And I think – if the Ravens can at least smartly put in some plays that are intentionally designed to attack those voids where the Steelers are, you know, bringing blitzers from, um, this is a place where they can be exposed. And this is what I want to see from the Ravens. I, I'm hoping that it's kind of like a game of chess where where Greg Roman and the Ravens' offense is just one step ahead of of, of what the Steelers are trying to do. I think that's the, you know. The Ravens have probably, you know, the the best player on the field when it comes with Lamar Jackson and what they can do with him. So I think that gives them a slight advantage compared to what um, Steelers have seen against other teams because nobody that they've played has that kind of athleticism, that kind of playmaking ability. Um, and it's just a matter of, of fighting the proper way to utilize him against this, you know, really aggressive front seven that the Steelers have. Yeah, I agree. I also think that there's some room running the ball in terms of how to counter some of that. Um, There's an opportunity for success. And I know we're not talking about the Steelers offense anymore, but they run a really good quarterback shock or or, sorry, a shotgun delay handoff. Um, They do it probably two or three times a game and they catch everybody off guard. And it's, it's, it's really obvious when they do it, or maybe not obvious, but they, like they do it in specific situations. They do it when the strong side tight end, 
um, is on basically on the weak side of the defense and they have him blocked down against that inside linebacker. And it's essentially a wide open gap for them to run in because the defensive ends have run up by the field. The reason I say that is that the Ravens can do the exact same thing in this game, that the way that Watt and Dupree rush off the edges, if they can get kind of, and the Ravens are good at this because they are in pistol a lot. So this is where you can be really effective in pistol um, in particular. You don't know which way the play is going to go. So if they kind of bend towards the weak side, uh, like a strong side look against the weak side of however the Ravens set up, there are going to be opportunities for the Ravens to run the ball behind that. And it doesn't just need to be kind of that really slow delay. It just needs to be a play that has the cut kind of half a step or half a yard later than you would think. And you can get by that defensive end. If that happens, I think that we're going to see some, there's some opportunities for some big gashes from the Ravens running game too. And based on how we've seen it from this year, you know, and I don't know, I guess we should take a look at this about how much the Ravens have run right versus left, but they should run those things to the left instead of to the right. <laughs> yeah. You mean away from Watt and towards Dupree? Yeah. Um, yeah I think that. Watt I was definitely... thinking more away from Phillips and, and more towards Bozeman, but yeah, sure. <laughs> oh yeah, that works too. <laughs> I think, well, the thing that they do is they, they pull Bozeman. So um, he's, he's their best pulling uh, lineman. I mean, I think that Stanley probably pulls, well too but Bozeman is the person that they ask to do that the most and that's why they run to the right a lot and they did the same last year actually with with Bozeman even um when Yanda was in there they used Yanda kind of to kind of you know get the push and then Bozeman was kind of the guy to to seal the edge or, or crack back on somebody um but I think that I definitely think like you said you you can scheme up some things in the running game you know do some draws and delayed handoffs um maybe some quarterback draws as well. I think maybe some more designed runs from Lamar, like design power. Uh, like we saw some, maybe some, even some like sweeps with, with Lamar, you know, just some different kind of looks where, where you're not running right into the teeth of the defense. Um, maybe you can get on the edge and, you know, use some of the speed that the Ravens have on offense with Duvernay and Brown getting involved as well. Um, with some, some short passes or some, even some like jet, jet action, stuff like that. Um, I think that might be a way to attack this defense as well. And there's a lot of things that, you know, the Ravens could potentially do, but I think honestly, it just comes down to how you figure out the best way to use Lamar Jackson in this game, because he's the one player that the Steelers don't really have a good counter for. I don't think, and they have a lot of talent, but nobody can really match Lamar in terms of what he can do. If, if he is, you know, in in the zone and he has, you know, well-designed plays that are going to work. Um, so sometimes this year it hasn't looked like they know what to do with Lamar. Um, so maybe this is just not like going to happen, but I think if it's going to happen, this is the week to unleash it. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I, and it's not even, this is the week to unleash it. It's like, this is the time and we've talked about this a lot. So you know, hopefully, um, hopefully we get it right. And the answer is that the Ravens get more intentional. It's like, it almost seems like the Ravens are trying to do X because it seems like they need to do X. So like we've seen a lot more guys in the box. So we need to throw the ball deep. It's like, yes, that's fine. Right. But like, there are other ways to attack the ball deep, right? There are other ways to set up those deep shots. There are good ways to make sure that we're isolating the deep shots into one-on-ones, but also do the thing in between to make it make it worthwhile right like the deep shot can be your goal but maybe it doesn't need to be your first read right so it's like the crosser is your first read and if everything isn't staying tight just take the crosser right like let's stay let's stay with the chains let's stay in down a distance let's make sure we get it right and then attack deep instead of doing it the other way around where the ravens seem like they're trying to attack deep and then working their way back um so that's really what i want to see like i want to see more kind of rpos i want to see more kind of play action sets i want to see more boots that are real boots and not these like little fake spins where they release a guy off the line of scrimmage um the ravens can do a lot of these things a little bit more smartly and execute a little bit more better and that's not good grammar a little bit more better <laughs> and they'll be a lot more better on the other side for just doing a couple of those nuanced things ever so slightly um and so that's why if you're a ravens fan you should be still optimistic about where things stand from the ravens perspective there is the upside of last year's team is still here um there's still a very real opportunity that the ravens are gonna that the ravens could still have that same 
offensive firepower that they had last year. The question is just whether or not they can untap that. Yeah, I think that's a great point and something I wanted to mention earlier and didn't get to it, but you know, there have been times this season where the Ravens offense has looked like it's the exact same offense we saw last year. It's looked so easy at times. There have been drives, even like, you know, back to back to back drives and, and stretches that they've just clicked. You know, they've gone full length field drives, you know, touchdown, 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 blowing up in some of these games. And we know that they're capable of doing that. They just need to do it more consistently and not have the kind of negative plays that have gotten them off schedule and put them behind the chains. And, you know, we've seen different reasons. It's been blocking, it's been drops, it's been penalties. I think, you know, we can go back to the Philadelphia game, which you never talked about. But the penalties in that game were just abysmal. So if you can avoid some of those mistakes, um, one thing the Ravens have been very good at is not having the turnovers this year. Um, they are very good in, in turnover differential, even though they've still dropped probably five or six interceptions on defense. Um, they've been really good at, at not turning the ball over on offense. And I think that's something that you, if you keep doing that moving forward, you know, avoid the turnovers and just get rid of some of those, those bad plays, then you can really get back to where you were. This is going to be a big test. The Steelers have a really good defense. Um, they do some good things on offense too, but I, I, I think that coming off the bye, the Ravens are just going to be in, in good position, I think, to, to, to play a good game in here. I just did the math. The Ravens are still on pace to score 477 points this year. I think anybody would have said if the Ravens scored 500 points this year that this would be a great year. I, I kind of expected to see 550 points or more from this offense. Ravens are not that far off from being able to do that. And they have, we haven't seen that big game where they had the blowout. They've really taken their foot off the gas in the Browns game. They took their foot off the gas in the Washington football team game. They took off their foot off the gas in the Bengals. Well, I don't know if they took their foot off the gas in the Bengals game, but the wheels came off in the Bengals game and the wheels kind of came off in the Eagles game. Um, so, but you're still looking at a team on pace for, you know, that, that it won't take much to get back on pace for 500 points. Um, this is a Steelers defense that gave up 20, what, 24 points to the Titans last week. Should have been 27. Realistically, should have been a lot more than that. Um, you know, I, I thought the Titans kind of had a lot of their own self-inflicted wounds in that game. I, I, I can't believe that the Titans didn't score <laughs> in that last drive. And then they blew that, that game against the Steelers. Uh, you know, it wasn't the case where this was one of those heavyweight drag out like you know the Steelers just kind of beat the Titans the Titans played like trash in the first half played much better in the second half and then choked that game away so this is this is a very winnable game for the Ravens they're very good off the bye they're very good at home they got fans back in the stadium for the first time I mean it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast or what you said Gabe you know it really is one of those situations where this is a game the Ravens should feel like they need to win um, I just, you know, there hasn't been enough Steelers hype this week. I, I really would have liked to see un, more people saying that they thought the Steelers were going to beat the Ravens. Um, <laughs> but I also, you know, cause I, I, I think that's fuel for the Lamar and this team. I think last year in the Seattle game where all the talk was about Russell being the MVP and Lamar was not in the conversation. And then Lamar came out and had a sensational game, all the chatter in the book leading up to the Patriots game, um, you know, being about the Patriots and the Ravens came out and just blew the doors off of new England in that game. Um, you know, it does, you know, maybe how the Ravens are hyping it up in their head, but we, you know, we had the world series end this week, the elections coming up. It just feels like the same focus isn't on kind of, this is a premier game to get them as hyped up as maybe we've seen for some other games. Yeah. I mean, I don't know like what's going on in the, in the Ravens players heads and the coaches heads, like how, how in tune they are with all that. I, I just think that this is an opportunity for them to kind of come out after the buy. Like you said, you're at home. This is a big game. This is a game that could decide the division is a game that, you know, could decide like AFC seating. It's it's really, really important um, for the Ravens to come out and look like the team that we all expected them to look like. And I'm not sure exactly how this game's gonna play out. I had the Ravens winning. Um, I think they'll win by a touchdown. That's kind of my gut instinct. Um, I could see it going a lot of different ways. I, I honestly could see a Ravens blowout win. I could see their Steelers winning this game easily as well. I think there's a lot of different directions it can go. Um, I would lean towards the Ravens, you know, 
doing well in this one though. And I think that they do are going to come out that focus. They do realize the importance of this game. And I think that they want to, you know, show the world that they're still one of the best teams in the NFL and that they've been slept on a little bit. They've kind of lost their luster um, because the offense isn't what it was last year, but you know, the team is evolving. There's different aspects of it. that are stronger than it was last year. And I think that the offense will come around and this is a great place to get back on track. Yeah, I like the Ravens because they're coming out of the bye and they're they're always focused, you know, in those instances. I guess if there's one thing that I'd have to say that I really want to see in this game and the next few games is I want to see Lamar clean up his mechanics. I think that that is also something that could take this team a lot further. Um, he's gotten into some of the habits that we saw in his rookie year um, in terms of, you know, how he's kind of a little lackluster in terms of getting set and throwing the ball, like kind of whipping the ball sidearm and kind of whipping the ball with his elbow and his accuracy goes way down when he does that. Um, and I think it, it, it's the whole way through. He's like the way he thinks about those things aren't as attacking, but I'd like to think that a week off, get healthy, get right in the head, get ready for this kind of tough five game stretch. The Ravens have, I think we're going to see a better Lamar. I think we're going to see the Ravens win by a touchdown. Um, you know, I like them in this game, you know, let's just, you know, let's hope that, that we see it on both sides of the ball and the Ravens finally put one of those complete games together that we haven't kind of really seen since Cleveland in week one. Yep. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, I think, I think we're, we need it. We haven't seen it as Ravens fans and we want this to kind of, you know, set them off right on, on the second half. So that's that's definitely what we're all rooting for. And I think I think it's definitely in the cards. But you know, it's all going to depend on you know how this team. I, I'm hoping for you know a quick start. I want them to come out and really like you know punch the Steelers in the mouth. It'll be great if if the Steelers start with the ball, get a turnover, and just like turn into seven points right away. That would be awesome. Yeah, I agree. Well, listen, if you guys want to chat about the game before we get there on Sunday, check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com. There's also an active forum there um, on game day where we talk about what's happening in the game, though I think there are a lot of us that watch. We're at, Gabe and I are out here on the West Coast. So we're watching on a, a little bit of a time delay because we got to watch. We got to stream it. Um, but there's great conversation about the games going on there. There's great conversation about what's happening at baltimoresportsandlife.com. Both Gabe and I write articles that we post um on that website as well and you guys can check us out it's on twitter he's at gabe fergie i'm at bsl jordan co hopefully we'll see you guys out there and we'll get a ravens win this week we'll talk to you soon